come on. Okay, so that was like one third of you. Come on, church. Give it up. Man, it is great to be back here with you again today. I love Sundays, and I say it all the time. Hopefully you never get too old for you, but Sundays are our what, church? Fun days. And it's our fun days because we come together and we gather and sing praises to an awesome God and celebrate life change through his son, Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. By the way, I don't have this in my notes for this morning, but I want to point this out. We are in week two of No Light On. Yeah. Oh. So I'm going to challenge you to pray with me for the next six days until we come back next Sunday. God, turn the light on. Turn the light on to someone's heart. Open their minds to the truth of who you are and so they can follow you and surrender their lives and have this amazing life with Jesus Christ. Will you pray with me this week, every single day, that God calls someone to himself? Yes? Amen. Let's do that. Well, this morning, man, we kick into this new series titled Prepared. I love the fact we are here together. Good morning to all of you who are joining us online. I am stoked that we have the technology to reach you with the word stream. I had in my notes the word tune in, but then I realized that's my age issue, right? We're streaming the word of God to you this morning. Amen. Uh, so we love the fact that you're, you are, I almost said tune in again. Come on. All right. But if you're new with us, welcome. Welcome to Vertical Church, man. We love the fact that you are here this morning. You are surrounded by some amazing people. I hope you take a moment to meet them and talk to them, and you can see how God is working in their lives or how gotten they desire God to work in your life. I pray that through the worship and the Word of God this morning that you experience God's love in your life in a very personal way this morning because uh, He does love you. Prepared. <clears throat> defending your faith without losing your mind. If you're in this room this morning, you're here this morning, and you have said yes to Jesus, Jesus is the Lord of your life, at some time or another, you have been probably involved what I call in a hit and run with your faith. Hit and run with your faith. Now, let me step inside this. If you are here and you don't have a relationship with Jesus yet, yet, uh, this is a great Sunday for you to be here because today's kind of like a free Sunday for you. You're like, wow, that's awesome. Just sit back and drink your coffee and hang out. In fact, if you came with somebody who is a follower of Jesus who invited you, your coworker or whatever, and you're sitting next to them, you can give them a little elbow and say, hey, buddy, this is for you this morning. I get to relax and just listen. In fact, that's, that's exactly what I encourage you to do this morning. Listen. Because we step into this series, we're walking through and having a conversation today and next three weeks about what we believe. It's going to paint a really good picture of what we believe and why we believe it. See, as Christians, we love Jesus, right? We're, yes? Okay, we love Jesus. We're all sorts of excited when it comes to what we believe, but we have and we will have moments in our lives, we will run into people who do not believe what we believe. And then they will blindside our faith with a slam and they will take off. That's what I call is a hit and run. It's just show me, raise your hand this morning. If anybody involved in, in your, with a hit and run in your life, someone takes a shot at your faith. Yeah, it's not fun, is it? 
it's very frustrating. You get aggravated. Man, you want to pull out some karate kid moves and take this person down. Does anybody remember? Again, old reference. Does anybody remember Karate Kid? One of the best movies ever. This is what happens. You're having a conversation. You're in a group of people. And wham, you take a hit. Someone takes a shot at your faith. They don't want to have a conversation. They don't want to get into it with you at all. They usually want to just don't even give you time to respond. They just smack you with some words and they change the topic. They start talking to, to someone else. Hey, Rich, do you want to go golfing on Sunday? Do you want to come along with us? Oh, never mind. You'll be in church. You'll be, you are one of those religious people. And before you can take a breath, they're talking about something else. Slam. Hit and run. You're in, a, you're in a situation where someone's around you and they start swearing and they realize that you're there. They say, oh, oh, I'm sorry. You're one of those church-going people and you don't like to hear those swear words. By the way, I went to church once and they told me I had to wear a tie. How stupid. And before you can say one thing about your church, they walk off and start talking to someone else. Or maybe it's something like this. You know, my neighbor, yeah, he goes to church. He goes to church and he got caught cheating on his wife. What a loser. And before you can say one word about your church or one thing what a Christ-like life actually looks like, they're off. They're off doing another thing, having another conversation, hitting somebody else and taking someone else down. More often than not, the truth is they really never really give us a time to talk because they never really want to enter a conversation with us. They just want to hit what we believe, discredit what we hold to, and move on with their lives. Now, for most of us, it's, mo- it's usually the people who are closest to us. It could be our, cl- our coworkers. It could be our classmates, our teammates. You know, or maybe the hardest ones are our family. When you have family who doesn't believe what you believe, they can take a shot and feel really good about themselves and walk away. They don't want a deep discussion. They don't want to talk about some theological truths And so I think through this, wouldn't it be good? Wouldn't it be good if we had some type of one-liner to respond back? Wouldn't it be good if we had to be able to say this one line, this one truth that shows them that you are serious about what you believe and you are serious about your faith? So for the next three weeks, that's what we're going to do. We're going to walk through this together, explore what it means for you and me, how to defend our faith without losing our mind and now exploding our witness. Without getting frustrated, without getting angry, at the same time, we're going to build a one-liner into our lives that we can turn around and use when we get involved with a hit and run. Because it's either happened to you, or it's going to happen to you. If you were living your life for Jesus out loud, it's either happened to you or will happen to you. Are you with me? Mm. Are you with me? Yeah. All right, let's get this. Open your Bibles, if you would, to 1 Peter. 1 Peter chapter 3, we're starting at verse 15 this morning. 
1 Peter 3, verses, starting at verse 15. If you grab an orange Bible on the back table when you came in this morning, you'll find it on page 829. 1 Peter 3, starting at verse 15, or page 821. As you're getting there, open your Bibles, your Bible apps, whatever you have, and getting into Scripture. It's important for us to keep in mind that Peter was writing to a group of followers of Jesus who were seen as outcasts in their society. They were, they were scattered. They didn't want to be, be around, no one wanted to be around them. No one believed what they believed. They faced rejection on all fronts of what they believed. They were, faced rejection on all fronts of what they actually gave their lives to. And in fact, 1 Peter is a very inspiring book for the afflicted. For those who feel like they're outcasts in society, those who feel like they, they're being pushed or rejected, 1 Peter is an amazing book. And I think I have it sometime next year, probably forget it and I'll forget it, but we're going to walk through the book of 1 Peter in a series called Breakthrough. But as you get to chapter 3, most Bibles have subheadings in them, and it's around verse 8, I believe it says this, has a subheading, subheading says, suffering for doing good. Suffering for doing good. Then Peter walks us through 8 through 14, a few verses of, why it's, of our proper response, and it gives us every reason why we need to properly be prepared to have these conversations. In fact, look in the screen, or if you have your Bibles, on verse 9. It says, do not repay evil for evil or insult for insult. On the contrary, Peter says, repay evil with a blessing because this you were called. This is what you were called so you may inherit a blessing. Thank you very much, Peter. You just took the punch, the power out of my punch. Because when we get offended, when we get slammed, we don't want to be so kind, do we? We want to retaliate. We want to react. We want to take someone down. And Peter says, this is not what you're called to do. Look at verse 15. This is where we kick off things this morning. He says, but in your hearts, revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. Let's just stop right there. I find it very interesting that when it comes to our faith, people will rarely take a shot at Jesus. They'll really t- rarely take a shot at Jesus. Oh, they'll, they'll shoot fire at us at our, when it comes to our morality. They'll shoot at our, our religion They'll shoot at the church. They'll shoot at the Bible. You know, like this Bible's not true. It's written by man. It's just a bunch of words, right? And they'll even shoot at the other Christians who are in their lives that they have encountered. But they'll rarely take a swing at Jesus. I find that very interesting. They'll say things like the, the religion, you know, people who need religion, they're, yeah, they're weak. The church, yeah, they're filled with a bunch of hypocrites. My boss, yeah, he says he's a Christian, and he's a jerk. See, they'll take shots at the things, but they will almost never start ripping on Jesus. And I find it very interesting. Because of what we read, that's where Peter starts. Peter starts with Jesus. He points back to Jesus. And it's true for us. If you have a relationship with Jesus, it starts with Jesus, Jesus in the middle, and Jesus at the end. It's all about Jesus. Let's break this down, what Peter is saying. He says, in your hearts. He's talking about in your hearts, the origin of your human behavior, the origin of your human behavior, the core of who you are, the reason what and everything you do comes from our hearts. 
He says, in that place, he says, revere. Now, it's very interesting. The word revere means to set apart, to make the absolute focus, to treat as holy. And so when I read this word, in our hearts, revere, and I'm like, Peter, what are we to revere? He says this, that Jesus Christ is your Lord. He says, in your hearts, put the focus on that Jesus Christ is your Lord. He's pulling you back to the foundation of your relationship with God, and it's through Jesus Christ. He says, put him above everything in your life. He is to be your focus. He is to be your holy focus. He, it's not about the government. Don't focus on what the government's doing or what's not doing. Don't be looking at that. It's not your possessions. It's, it's, not, it's not your work or your position. It's not even your children or, or your family. He says, it's Jesus. Jesus is your Lord. Let's start there. And Peter continues. He says, always be prepared. Always be prepared. This, the title of this series this is where you know where I pulled it from. I wasn't that smart. I was like, hey, look at that word. I'm going to use it because it makes sense. He says, Give the, it's the reason for a series is prepared. It means we need to be ready. Always be ready. Always be equipped. For what? To give an answer. Well, that's our defense. We're always to be ready to be, be prepared to give an answer or defense to everyone. Everyone. You know me, I like to push back on a lot of things in life, and so I do a little study, go back to original language, and figure out, like, hey, there's got to be a loophole when Paul says things like this. I mean, this is a big word for me, everyone. And guess what everyone means? Everyone. Stink. Everyone, we need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone. All the people in our office, all the people who are in, come in our home, all the people who are in our classrooms, all the people who are on our team, all the people who are in our neighbors, we need to be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks the reason. That's our explanation. The reason, that what we, this is the reason I follow Jesus. Then it goes on to the words, for the hope that you have. Always be prepared to give the, be ready to give an answer to everyone, everyone for the hope that you have, the reason for the hope that you have. And it's in these last four words that we as a church start building our defense in the hope that you have. Friends, Peter is not saying that we need to be able to explain the history of Christianity. Peter is not saying that we need to defend our church. Peter is not saying that we need to stand up against our boss, stands for our boss who says he's a Christian or she's a Christian, but their lives look more like the world and less like Jesus. We need to be very, very clear what Peter is saying. He is saying that we need to give a reason for the hope that we have. In fact, he says, you, you have to give a reason for the hope, for your hope, your personal hope, your hope, your relationship with Jesus, your hope. Do you get what I'm saying? Your hope. No one else's. 
I have to be able to stand and give reason for my hope. So when someone walks and does a drive-by in my life, slamming the church, slamming well-known Christian leaders who have fallen to foreign uh, moral failures, slamming Christians that are in their lives, I don't have to defend that. You don't have to defend that. Peter says what we have to defend is based on the hope that we personally have. That's where it starts. And as I read scripture and have a conversation with God, our personal hope sits in this one area, the resurrection. Our hope is rooted in the resurrection. Our defense, our one-liner, back to the hit and runs in our lives, is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Our personal hope is rooted in the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And Peter makes this abundantly clear. When you read your Bibles, church, read your Bibles. You go back and read the entire book of 1 Peter. He makes it abundantly clear where this sits. Look at chapter 1, verse 3 on the screen. He says, Praise be to God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living what? A living what? Through the what? Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. Our hope is rooted in the resurrection. Later on in verse 21, he says, Through him, through him, through Jesus, you believe in God, who what? Raised him from the dead and glorified him so that your faith and what? Are in God. Our hope, church, is rooted in the resurrection. So if we were to have Peter on stage, we were having a conversation, I'd say, Peter, where does your hope come from? He would say, in Jesus Christ's resurrection, bottom line. I would say to him, Peter, why do you believe that? He would say, because when someone gets crucified and they die, and a few days later you're having breakfast, a fish fry with him on the beach, it tends to give you a little confidence in what he's saying. When someone can predict their own death and resurrection and actually pull it off, you kind of want to listen and follow them. Isn't it the same for us, church? Isn't that the same for us? That's where, isn't that where our hope rests, in Christ's resurrection? I mean, he lived, he died, he rose again three days later, and in him conquering death and our faith and laying it all in heaven, having hope in him, we also have the same? Listen to this. Paul, another follower of Jesus, writes in 1 Corinthians 15. He says, it's on the screen, and if Christ has not been raised... Our preaching is useless, and so is your faith. If Christ's resurrection didn't happen, our faith is futile, useless. Our hope is destroyed. But, but because there's evidence upon evidence, eyewitnesses in Scripture, we believe, we can rest in, our hope is in the resurrection. We don't have to explain everything else. Our defense is in our personal hope in Jesus. Our defense is rooted in the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's pretty crazy, right? 
But Paul, I mean, Peter continues, and I'm glad he did, because what he says next, I think we need to hear. Look back at verse 15. He says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with arrogance and disrespect. He says, always be prepared to give an answer, and your answer should be one that is just as hurtful, if not more hurtful, than what hit you or what they said to you. He's saying, make sure your words and your action take them down so hard, so fast, that they never, ever dare to have a conversation with you or question you about your faith again. It doesn't say that, does it? Some of you got a little excited when I read that out loud. Now, look at this. This is what it really says. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect. Gentleness and respect. Keeping a clear conscience, verse 16, so that those who speak maliciously against you, your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of the slander. That's what Scripture really says. And if you're taking notes, write this down. The stronger your life, the stronger your answer. The stronger your life, the stronger your answer. Our hope is rooted in the resurrection. We defend it by that alone. But the stronger our life, the stronger the answer. And can I be honest here for a second? And this is just my opinion. But I believe this is where the church has really been messing it up. As Christians, we spout off so much with so much authority when we come across those in life that we disagree with, we come across disrespectful. In our boldness of what we say and what we post in social media, we declare the truth that we have slammed others around us. And this behavior has completely undermine our credibility in the people we're called to reach. And some of you here this morning choose not to follow Jesus because you've run into too many of us. That hurts saying it out loud. It's not a debate. We're not sitting across opposite sides of a table, going back and forth, raising our voices, getting so angry, we start spitting out of our mouths, and on the people across, we're lashing out for those. No, it's not about that. Our witness is about gentleness and the respect that models the one who saved our souls. And I get it. Our faith is important to us. I, our love for Jesus is huge. And when someone comes out of somewheres and just smacks us, man, we just want to smack back. I'm not sure if I've shared this, this more, on a Sunday morning. I know I've shared it in my small group, but if I have, you can kind of just roll with it. But I'm sure that people haven't heard this. I have a brother. He's a couple years older than I am, and his name is Steve. Steve doesn't believe in Jesus and follow Jesus. He hates everything God. And he named his son Darwin. 
And Darwin is now a, I think he's going to be a senior this year. He's graduating from high school, doing well. But when Darwin was four, he came to me, and my brother taught him his first joke. And you guys, you guys need to participate in this joke. Um, so Darwin walks up to me. We're having a fa- family gathering. And he says, Uncle Richie, Uncle Richie. He goes, knock, knock. God. Exactly. Trust me, it took everything within inside of me to get up and not go over and pop my brother in the face. Four years old, and he already instilled into the mind of this child who's made in God's image that there is no God. But if I did that, what would, what would have been that response for him? What would have been my witness to my brother? Would it give him the credibility that Jesus changes everything? The rich is radically different than he was before Jesus? No, 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 no. I just told Darwin, I said, God loves you. Trust me, if I did that, it would have felt great. Only for a moment. And it would, did, would not do anything in my defense for the reason I believe. He says, Peter says in verse 16, keeping a clear conscience. Clear conscience. So those who speak maliciously against your good behavior... Your good behavior in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Live such good lives in front of those who don't believe. So they have nothing to hold against you. Friends, when our hope is on the ropes, we feel like we're being attacked. We want to act like we're in a boxing ring. Right? We want to act like boxers. We're against the rope. What do boxers do when they're, they're against the rope? Their coach is like, punch out, punch out. Spin them into the ropes and swing, 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 swing. When our hope's on the ropes, that's exactly opposite what God has called us to do. That's not the way we defend according to what Peter is saying. That's how we we defend our faith. We need to keep a clear conscience. Living out before the world which you believe. Not reacting to the world, but responding like Jesus Christ. And I even think about it as I'm standing here when Jesus was being accused and punched and spit on and slapped. How did he respond? I mean, he is God. But he chose not to. Peter's saying that our behavior matters. Our response matters. How we live our lives on an everyday basis matters before the world. Friends, listen to this. If you were living like hell, trying to tell people how to get to heaven, it won't work. It won't. Because people will investigate our lives and then tell you people are watching us. 
Especially they find out we're followers of Jesus. Oh, they're a Christian. They pull out the microscope and they're watching every little thing that we do. So when we're living our lives up for Jesus, it better be different than the world. So people live around us and see, okay, they're saying, I don't really know if I want to be a Christian. I don't believe what they believe. But man, those Christians are really nice people. I don't want I don't want to be a Christian, but it'd be really cool if my son or daughter married one. Why? Because they're they stick with their spouses. They don't run off when things get tough. I'm trying to figure out this Jesus thing. I'm not sure if I really want to follow him, but I will hire one. I'll hire a Christian. Why? Because they will show up, they will work hard, and they're honest people. The stronger our lives, friends, the stronger our answer. The stronger your life is lived before the world and Jesus, the stronger your answers to the world around you that Jesus does change everything at our hopes in Jesus Christ. So last point this morning is very simple. Why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Look at verse 18. For Christ has suffered for once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, to bring you to God. He was put to death in a body, but I made alive in his spirit. Why have we chosen to follow Jesus? We must have an answer to this question. And like we said earlier, it's got to be a personal one. It can't be a paragraph. Can't be like, let me just sit down and talk to you for a while. It, giving someone a book to read so often doesn't work. Like, yeah, I'll read that. It's got to be a personal answer. And here it is on the screen. Write it down. This is your answer. Why have you chosen to follow Jesus? Very, very simple. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the, rose from the dead. That's your answer. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Rich, why do you believe? I believe because Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Say this with me. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Say it again. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. That's your answer. That's the beginning of your one-liner. When you get hit by someone who is smacking down your faith, you can say, I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. It's, look, it's personal. You're saying, I believe. You're not saying, you believe. You're saying, I believe. And he died for my sin. You're not saying their sin. We know he did. But if you walk to someone who doesn't believe, say, you're a sinner. I'm a sinner. Reaches God and lost his mind, right? They don't want to hear anything. You're making a person. He died for my sin. It points to our hope that Jesus rose from the dead, the resurrection. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. So when someone comes up to you or me and someone slams a church, man, it's, man that's really tough to hear. But I, I believe that Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. Rich, you're a church guy. Why? Because I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. 
I mean, come on, Rich. I can't get into all that whole creation junk. I mean, God created everything in six literal days and took a, you know, come on. Our response really wants to be, did you really think you came from amoeba? Right? But what is that going to do? You can say, listen, listen, listen. I know, man, this is absolutely insane. It's crazy. But I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. (laughs) What about all the evil in the world, Rich? What about all the evil and hatred in the world? Yeah, you know what? That drives me nuts, too. I'm really frustrated with it, too. But you know what? I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. And that's why I have chosen to follow Jesus. Church is that simple. Not because I know everything. Not because I, I understand everything that I'm reading because we know as a church we're reading our Bibles. I don't understand everything. I don't have all the answers to your great questions. This is what I know. This is what I believe. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. That's what you need to hold on to. And it's all you have to say. You know, it might open a conversation. It might give you an opportunity to have a conversation or it might not. But that's our defense. Isn't it the reason you believe? Don't you believe that Jesus died, rose again? He died for your sin? It's very, very simple. I believe Jesus died for my sin and rose from the dead. That is my defense. That is why I've chosen to follow Jesus. And guess what, church? Guess what, church? It's a truth they cannot defend against. I believe Jesus died for my sin and he rose from the dead. Say it with me one more time. I believe Jesus Amen. Let's pray. Father, we thank you. We thank you for your love for us, and we thank you for Jesus. Father, we do take hits. We've all experienced hit and runs when it comes to what we believe. But we, as your children, as your body, need to respond just as Jesus would respond with gentleness and respect. We don't have to defend you. You are God. We just proclaim with love what we believe, that I believe that Jesus died for my sin and he rose from the dead. And that's why I have chosen to follow him. So I pray, Lord, as we step out these doors that we become equipped and prepared to have this conversation. 
And those words that come out of our mouth with our fence are surrounded by so much love for the person in front of us. Not in hate and disdain and not caring about them, wanting them to go away. But we say it with so much empathy and sympathy and love for them that they feel what we're saying is true. Because that's what your son Jesus did for us. God, if anybody is in this room this morning who doesn't know you, doesn't have a relationship with you, God, I pray that this is just a cracking point of them hearing the truth of what we believe because what Scripture says, why we're so excited to have this relationship with you, that they'll walk out these doors understanding that Jesus died for their sin. And he rose from the dead. Why? Because he desires to have a personal relationship with them. And if that's you this morning, right now I'm going to call our prayer team to come forward. And if you want to just figure out this thing called faith, you want to have deeper conversations, what it means to give your life to Jesus, I'm going to ask you to come forward after service. When I say amen, the church is going to get up and walk out, you walk forward. If you have things in your life that you need the strength of the church to come behind you because we are one body when one person hurts we all hurt we want to lift you up to Jesus come forward and be prayed with we have to be prepared God we have to be ready and I pray through this series we will be do just that so we can make a kingdom difference in our own community, in our workplace, in our classroom with our fellow students, on the teams we play. So God, I pray for that just right now. Help us make a difference. God, the light is not on this morning. So I pray with everything within me, God, come before you, plead with you. There is someone we know who needs Jesus. Will you call them to yourself this week so we can rejoice like the angels in heaven every time one sinner repents and celebrate a life change to your son. We love you. We worship you. We serve you. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless church. Have an amazing week.